You're listening to the Bravehearted Voices podcast. In this podcast, we feature sermons that deeply stir us toward Jesus Christ and living fully for His glory. As you listen to this powerful collection of communicators from yesteryear, it is our desire that you be stirred to live a life fully given to Jesus Christ and discover a Christianity that actually works. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you have in store for us. Everywhere in all the different halls where your uh, people are going to be your channels of living water. Thank you also that you will show us here a little bit more about the riches we have now and here. In you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. In John 10, verse 6-10, I read in the translation of Philip's, Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not grasp the point of what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them once more, I do assure you that I myself am the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are like thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If a man goes in through me, he will be safe and sound. He can come in and out and find his food. The thief comes with the sole intention of stealing and killing and destroying. But I came to bring them life and far more life than before. I came to give them life and life abundantly. Jesus is the door. I read a parable about, um, I don't know from whom it was, I believe from Abby Meyer. And he said the life of a Christian is like one who is living in a palace. And that palace has several rooms. C.S. Lewis once said, we are often like children satisfied with a puddle when they have been invited for a day at the ocean. Too many of us are just happy with nothing more than to be saved. That is tremendous much to know that you are saved for time and eternity, but there is so much more that is in connection with this salvation by Jesus Christ. It is so good to know that we have to walk with Jesus in this life in this time. Today, I remember that in the concentration camp, once we had to go to the place where we had to stand on roll call. Really, the roll call was at 4.30 in the morning. And we had a very cruel head of our barrack who sent us a whole hour too early. So at 3.30 we had to go into the icy cold night or early morning 
and we had to wait for roll call. Betsy and I then never went straight to the place where we had to stand, but we made a walk around through the camp. There was not yet light, everything was dark. And when we walked there, we had the, the light of the stars and the moon. And then I can tell you, Betsy and I walked with the Lord and talked with the Lord. And then the Lord said something, and then Betsy said something, and then I said something. And then the Lord again spoke to us. Both Betsy and I understood what he said. That was a little bit of heaven in the midst of hell. And the Lord will walk with you and me now and here. But we must understand that the promises of the Bible are in him, yea and amen. There was an, a man in a bank who told me there are many unclaimed deposits in my bank. And I have the idea that there are many unclaimed deposits of the Bible in the lives of many children of God. <clears throat> what are you? A professor or a possessor? I think we must understand that we may claim all the riches of the Bible. Now I will tell you about this this um, uh, palace with these many rooms. The first room is the rebirth. Jesus said, except you are born again, you cannot see and you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Are you born again? I asked it a lady and she said, sure, I'm born again. For I go every Sunday to the church. I said, that's good, but that's not sufficient. To be in the church does not make you a child of God. And I was a little bit naughty and I said, a mouse born in a biscuit tin is therefore not yet a biscuit. <laughs> Do you understand it? To be in this hall or in a church does not make you a child of God. No. There has to be a rebirth. And the Bible tells us very clear that we have to come. When we say yes to the Lord Jesus, that means a decision of one who loves the Lord and who is loved by him. Like a young man who asks a girl, will you receive me as your fiancé? And when the girl says, yes, then the young man is happy. And so Jesus asks you, will you receive me as your savior? Some people say, oh, I have not to do that because I have had already so many uh, answers on my prayers. The Lord has helped me through so often. But just imagine, just think of the young man that the girl says, but you gave me such beautiful uh, presents with Christmas and we had such good days. Then the young man said, I know it, 
that now I will have another answer. About that we will speak later. But will you receive me? And so it is the Lord Jesus who says to you, if you have never done it before, will you receive me as your Savior? And when you say, yes, Lord, that yes, that means such important news that the angels in heaven rejoice. Yes, you are very important in the eyes of the Lord. And that is why the angels rejoice when you receive Jesus as your Savior by your simple, well-meant yes to Jesus. That moment you come into the palace of riches. And the great joy is when you have said yes, that the Lord does in you that great miracle of the rebirth. You have not to understand it. He does it. But then when you are, when he does that and makes you a child of God, that moment he takes your hand and he brings you into that palace. And through that first room you come immediately in the second room and that is the assurance of salvation. In the concentration camp, sometimes we ha could have a shower, a hot shower. Oh, that was a tremendous blessing. We had to go with many into a kind of room and there came at one moment hundred hot showers from the ceiling. Lack of hygiene was one of our sufferings there. But now the terrible thing was that people had told us that room is not only the shower room, but also the gas chamber. So when we stood there, we did not know what is it today, whether come water or gas. Such moments you look death in the eyes. You stand, as it were, for eternity. What a joy was it that Jesus had brought me in that second room, the assurance of salvation. I knew when it has been guessed that after a short time I go to the house of the Father with the many mansions where Jesus is preparing one for everyone who belongs to him. No, I was not afraid. I could say, death with thy sting, hell with thy victory. I praise the Lord for the victory of my Lord Jesus Christ. And I felt his hand in my hand. But this is also only a beginning. The Lord Jesus brings us into the third room, and that is the surrendered will. Now understand that Jesus is the door. Even in this one, yes, we have to surrender our will. And sometimes we think that our will is better than the will of the Lord, but that's not true. And shall I pray you change your will, O Father, until it is according unto mine? 
But no, Lord, no, that never shall be. Rather, I pray thee, blend my human will with thine. I was in New Zealand, in the house where also a young man was, a theological student, a dear child of God. He had had an accident and he had broken his neck. Now he was paralyzed from his head down. I had many talks with him and I said, Chris, Chris, you must surrender your will. But he could not. He said, I don't know why I have to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. And then once I heard him praying during the night this prayer, Oh Lord, make me willing to be made willing to surrender all. And that was it. That moment he arrived in the room, the surrendered will. And the next day when I saw him, his face was beaming of joy. For it is a joy to surrender your will to the will of the Lord. When you have had that, that victory. And when the Lord has brought you in this surrendered will, then you come very soon in the fourth room and that is the total surrender. Now, just one word about the third room, the surrendered will. Too many people say to me, I never know what is the will of God. But then I asked them, do you expect the Lord to tell you his will? Then they all, all, most of the time, when they are honest, they say, no. I said, no. When you do not expect that the Lord will show you his will, then you will, he will not do it. The Lord is a good shepherd. A shepherd uh, speaks to his, to his uh, sheep. And I believe it is very important that we uh, know the will of God. If there is in your life at this moment, this experience, that you are not sure of the will of God, then don't go to sleep tonight before you have asked the Lord and you know his will. Too many Christians, major and minor, my, in minus. It is a major to know the will of God. And that is something we must major in, to know the will of God. And the Lord is willing to tell you His, His will. But there is only one thing, you must be obedient. When I came from Germany after my terrible experiences in Germany, in the concentration camp, I said, Lord, I will go where you sent me. I don't mind, I will go over the whole world. But one thing, Lord, never send me back to Germany. I will not hear a word German. Then I came to your country, here in America. And there came that difficulty that perhaps some of you share with me. I did not know the will of God. 
I have no church behind me or mission uh, that tells me where to go. I have to depend absolutely on the Lord. I am a friend for the Lord. But when I said, Lord, where must I go? And the Lord did not give me an answer. I said, Lord, what is the matter? I'm sure there's nothing the matter with the shepherd. There must be something the matter with the sheep. And then the Lord said, Germany. It took me some minutes. And then I said, then also to Germany, God. And I went to Germany. You can read it in my book. Especially Amazing Love tells about the time that I came in that country. No, the Germans are not my enemies. My greatest friends live there. But I also found my enemies. I found my former guards in uh, concentration camps. And it was a joy to speak and to them and to tell them what it means to have forgiveness. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you love your enemies. It was a joy to show these people that I had forgiven. Do you understand? We have to surrender our will and we must be obedient. It is so true that um, we have, we can expect boundless resources when we go the way of obedience. The Lord Jesus has shown us his obedience to the Father and we have to follow him. This total surrender is in the eyes of some people such a problem. People make it so complicated. It is not complicated. You know, I have a slogan that helps me sometimes when I speak with people who make things so very complicated. And that slogan is KISS. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> I remember that I was in a group in New York of... Uh, it was a group of Norman Vincent Peale's church, young adults. And we had a good time. We really listened to what the Lord said us. But then little groups came to me to ask questions. And there came eight students to me. And one said to me, uh, Why did not you approach us more from the intellectual side? I said, because of my slogan. He said, what's your slogan? I said, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And then they all uh, laughed. Now, I like it when people laugh. So when you laugh, then you also listen to the deeper challenges that the Lord gives me to give you. So after we had laughed, I said, now listen, now, you ask me this question. Is it perhaps that you are hiding yourself behind your intellectualism because you are afraid for the challenge the Lord has given you today. What have I said to you? I've told you that the Lord will have your heart. I've told you that Jesus has come unto me all who are happy laden and I will give you rest. 
Did you go to the Lord Jesus? Now I ask you, and I say that to that student who had spoken to me, I said now I ask you one thing. Will you receive Jesus as your Savior? Yes or no? Nothing in between. He said yes. I said that's good. And then I prayed with him. I showed him in the Bible then when, that when we say yes to him, that the Lord does that miracle, that he brings us into the palace of riches, that he does that miracle in us, that we are born in the very family of God. And then I asked it, all the students, and praise the Lord, they all said their yes to Jesus. Sometimes the Lord uses a little bit humor to reach the hearts, and I am glad for that. What does the total surrender mean? I heard a talk about it with, from uh, Oswald, Dr. Oswald Smith in Toronto. And he took four books and he said, I have surrendered all to the Lord. I have said, Lord, here is my money and I laid it on the altar. And here is my time. And he laid a second book. Here is my house. Lord, I surrender my house. And here is my family. I surrendered all to the Lord. I laid all of my possessions on the altar. Yes, but. All that yes, but. Obedience says yes. Disobedience says yes, but. He said, yes, but my money, I surrendered it to the Lord, but I must have some money for my vacation for the hotel. I've ordered already that hotel, so that money is for myself. Then not my money, and one book went back. <laughs> yes, my time. My time is the Lord, but it's a two weeks vacation that is for myself. Then not my time, a second book went back. My house, oh yes, when we came into the house, we have really celebrated to tell the Lord that this, our house was his house. And we know it and the children know it, it is the Lord's house. Uh, but, but, but my sister is rather ill and she has six naughty boys. Now you understand that we cannot invite these six naughty boys in our house for our house is stick and span. Then not my house. And the third book went back. My children. Yes, my wife and I have surrendered all my children to the Lord. But, but that daughter of mine will be a missionary. But we cannot allow, allow it because we have a big family and she must help her mother. So not my family. The altar is empty. I must tell you, I went to my... I left that, uh, that meeting and I went to the garden and I had to talk with the Lord. And I said, Lord, is the altar empty? And the Lord said, yes. And I took my whole life again, just for the first time, 
But again, I took my whole life and I laid it on the altar. Jesus had brought me into the room, total surrender. Didn't, didn't I get a vacation in a hotel? <laughs> Perhaps when you surrender all, you get a far more beautiful hotel than you had ordered. But in that hotel you will be used to win souls for eternity. It is a joy to surrender. Some time ago I was burdened. I had got a part of the schedule your American friends had made. And I must tell you it was a far too busy schedule for an 80 years young woman like I am. Oh, I, I wanted to do it. I'd like to do it. But I knew, no, it is too much. And then that day I got letters from Africa from friends about Christians who had been killed. The whole school of boys where I had worked, all the boys had been killed because they were Christians. And I know it. These boys are now in heaven and they have a martyr crown. But I, I was, oh, I was moved. I was, I was downhearted. There came more difficulties that day. And then, I said, Lord, what must I do? And then the Lord gave me a vision. I saw my bag that I have always with me in the airplane. When I go with an airplane, I put the very happy things and the things that I need during the trip in that bag. And I saw that bag was empty. And the Lord said, you have surrendered all. That means that you do not possess anything whatever. I possess it. I said, oh Lord, what a joy. The Lord said, you have no responsibility anymore because you have surrendered all. I have the responsibility and what you possess is not your possession but you are a steward. And suddenly there came such a joy in my heart. What, what good is it to be only a steward of the things that you have? Because then he to whom you had surrendered has a responsibility. And there I saw what a dynamic experience it is to be surrendered to the Lord. Because his power was my power. His power was demonstrated in what I had thought were my possessions. No, I'm just a steward about it, but the responsibility has, he has. And what a quietness, how relaxed I was. People, don't tell that when you surrender all that it is static. It is dynamic and it is relaxed. Please turn the cassette over at this point for the continuation of the program. Now again I saw it. Jesus is the door and my hand is in his hand. How safe I am. If you are not quite sure 
that your hand is in Jesus' hands. Then ask Jesus to bring you into the room, the total surrender. And that means the difficult things of your life, but also the joyful things. The total surrender is not only when you are in a concentration camp, or when you are till over the ears in problems. No. This afternoon I will speak about the love of God shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And that means that that highest potential of God's love is available in the everyday life. There is a Bible who says, be sure that your everyday life is according to the glory of God. I saw it in my father. Daddy was a, a surrendered man. He sometimes said, Corrie, on our jewelry store is my name. But really, God's name should be on the jewelry store, for I am a watchmaker by the grace of God. You see it? He had surrendered himself and his job and his daily work to the will of God. And I have worked with him shoulder on shoulder 25 years in the workshop shop and the jewelry store with him together. And I saw what that meant. There was not one difficulty, too great or too small, that Father was not going to bring to the Lord. Yes, to have your hand in Jesus' hand, that is a great rest and a tremendous power for everyday life. Yes, for your life too. If you have the feeling, oh, I am not able to stand all the problems. I am not able to do my work, to have this difficult um, connection with that person with whom I must work, perhaps with your husband, with your wife, with your teeners, teenagers. Whatever your problems are, lay your hand in the hand of Jesus and let him bring you into that room, the total surrender. And then his power will be demonstrated in your everyday life. What a joy. Through this room, Jesus brings you into the room of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What a joy is it that the Lord has told us in the Bible the... The great word, be filled with the Spirit. That's a commandment. The Bible has no suggestions. The Bible has only commandments. And the sweetest commandment of the whole Bible is, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How can you come to that experience? Jesus is the door. It is Jesus who has who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It was already um, uh, John who has said that he will, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. 
I have here a glove. That glove cannot do anything. But when my hand is in the glove, now it can do many things. It can cook, it can write, it can do many things. No, I'm sorry, that is not the glove. That is the hand in the glove. And you and I are just gloves. And the hand in the glove, that is the Holy Spirit. It is He who works, who gives us the power the, to, to be victorious. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 1 it's written, You have been eager to receive His gifts during this time of waiting for His final ex uh, appearance. He will keep you steadfast in the faith to the end, so that when His day comes you need fear no condemnation. God is utterly dependable and it is He who called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. It is God Himself who brings you in fellowship with Jesus. And Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. Why does the Bible say, be filled with the Spirit? Now look, my hand is still in the glove, but only in the midst. And the hand can, uh, the glove cannot do anything because the fingers are not filled. If you have not only the Holy Spirit, but has the Holy Spirit you, then every finger, every little part of your life is filled with the Holy Spirit. And every part of your life is the room, the place where the Lord can demonstrate his victory and his glory. Through this room, Jesus brings us in the room abiding in Christ. He in us, we in him. What a joyful experience and what a possibility now, today. You can be in Jesus, and Jesus can be in you. And um, it was John who said, Abide in him, so that when he comes, you will, have, you will not be ashamed at his appearance. To be ready for Jesus Christ is possible when we abide in Jesus. When you say, oh, I, I'm not able, sometimes I have success, but then again uh, I have no success and I cannot abide in him. No, you cannot, and I cannot. But Jesus is the door. He brings you into that room, abiding in Christ. I saw a demonstration of this in Betsy, my sister. You can read it. In the book, the, 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 the Hiding Place, once she was beaten in her face, terrible, so terrible that for the rest of her life she was deaf at one ear. And I saw it in her face, I said, Betsy, has a man beaten you? 
she said yes and I'm so sorry for the man who did it have you ever experienced cruelties pain through cruelties it's very difficult to bear when you experience pain because a doctor thinks it is it is necessary that he does something that hurts it doesn't make you angry or bitter you know this I must come through he does it for my well-being but when cruelties make you suffer then there comes all the bitterness and the hatred in your heart that you can have never had before but Betsy was abiding in Christ and Christ was abiding in her and that is why she was sorry for that man who had beaten her I'm so glad that Jesus is the door well, I could never have lived in, in these rooms when I had to strive and to try and to try sometimes people come to me and ask questions and then I often ask uh, will you do what the Lord told you today and too often people say yes I try to do it and then I always say it is not try but trust it is not do but done our God has planned for us great victory through his son Jesus is the door you have not to force the door to all these rooms it is he stop trying trust and then you come in the seventh room the victory over sins so many people feel guilty and the guilt of the sins of the past is so darkening the lives of many people what is the reason that you feel guilty the reason is that you are guilty you must understand that no don't try to push away the guilt by psychological means or whatever no the Bible gives an answer for the sin problem hallelujah it is Jesus who is the answer and the Bible tells very clearly that we must repent of our sins repent and when you repent of your sins and forsake your sins in his power then the Lord what will he do with your sins the Bible tells it so beautifully he cast your sins into the depths of the sea forgiven and forgotten and I believe he put a sign it's not in the Bible but I believe it no fishing allowed <laughs> <coughs> that is the answer for your guilt problem the Bible tells many different things as far as the east is from the west so far does he your sins away from you but you, but you must repent he brought them out like a cloud did you ever see a cloud after it had disappeared never yes there's another cloud but it's not the same that is what Jesus does with your sins when you repent 
he brought them out he makes them absolutely uh, disappear oh what a joy so you get victory over sins John Bunyan made a nice little poem I like it run John run the law commands but gives us neither feet nor hands far better news the gospel brings it bids us fly and gives us wings isn't that good it says love your enemies and it gives you by the Holy Spirit love for your enemies it bids you fly and gives you wings Jesus is the answer for our sin problem because he at the cross has carried our sins at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my sins rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight yes at the cross there we see God's love who has sent Jesus to bear our punishment but we have not only a Jesus Christ who died for us he lives and he is with us day and night and he is the door the door who brings us in all the rooms of the palace and that is why we, we have victory over sins I brought I was in Australia and there came a boy in the inquiry room Jimmy and he had with him several other boys and these boys had prayed for him the whole time that I had spoken and now the boy came to the Lord now when people have prayed then the way is very open because then the devil cannot come in between and Chris accepted the Lord Jesus as his savior but then he said man I have a little difficulty can you give me advice I said no tell what is the difficulty Jim he said you know I am so terrific fond of rock and roll yeah that was a problem <laughs> and the Lord gave me the answer I said Jimmy now you belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to you and that means that you are standing on the salt rock Jesus Christ and you are on the roll in heaven and that is now your rock and roll <laughs> I understood that this was not sufficient for, for Jimmy it was an, uh, a joke what made him laugh but then I said listen Jimmy when you really you are really now with your hand in Jesus hand and when you go to your dance don't forget you are not alone Jesus is with you and in case Jesus says say Jimmy I cannot go to that dirty place then don't go yourself oh he said I promise you <laughs> now I knew when Jimmy goes with his hand in Jesus hand Jesus will bring him in the places what he what pleases him I believe we must be careful 
when we bring uh, youngster to the Lord that not to start to say and you may not do this and you may not do that let the Holy Spirit do it and they are in such good hands because Jesus is the door but we must understand that we stand on really on uh, on victory ground now I have heard of the pickpocket who said I have always been a very good pickpocket. I stole about, no, about 50, 60 watches every week. But now I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And I steal only five or six watches every week. <laughs> no. No, now you laugh. You laugh because of that pickpocket. But what about this decent sin that you have still in your life? Just ask the Lord. Search me, O oh God. Show me if there is still a watch that I, I steal. If there is some little decent or terrible indecent sin in my life, in my action, in my thinking, in my speaking. For Jesus brings you when you surrender to him into the room, victory over sin and the victorious life is the normal life for a Christian because Jesus is victor and now we come in the room heart's rest that room is open for everyone when he has his hand in Jesus hand the worst can happen in your life when your hand is in Jesus hand the best remains and the very best is yet to be Paul wrote when he was in a terrible prison to the Philippians I count everything as loss compared with the priceless privilege the overwhelming preciousness the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and of progressively, more deeply and ultimately getting acquainted with him. Philippians 3.8 in the Amplified New Testament. That I have experienced. When I was in that concentration camp, where I was surrounded by people who had had a training in cruelties, how, where 96,000 women were killed or died, all to Betsy, my sister. But I learned to know Jesus Christ more deeply. And I got acquainted with him like never before. And that is the great joy that gives you the heart's rest also when the worst happens. You need heart's rest also today in the everyday life. But also when terrible things should happen in the world, in America, in your house, in your life. Don't forget that Jesus is the door to the room, heart's rest. Knowing my youngest sister was the first one in our family who was arrested. 
We had not yet had any experience of the enemy who had who arrested us, but Nolly was um, was found with two Jews in her house, and that's why they brought her into the police station. I ran to the police station, and I saw that they brought her from the door of the police station to the prison van. I broke through the barrier of policemen and I put my arm around her and I cried. But Nolly said to me, God is love. How could she say that? Had she said, can you believe that God is love? That he allowed the enemy to bring me to prison? My six children are alone without mother? Then I could have understood that that she said, don't forget, God is love. That was a miracle. How could she say that? Because Jesus had brought her into the room. Heart's rest. And when she was in the prison van, she wrote on the wall, Jesus is victor. They pushed her into a dark cell. And there was another woman and she cried. And Nolly said, don't cry. God does not mistake, make mistakes, even by allowing the enemy to bring us in this cell. You see, that was not Nolly in her own power. She could not have thought and said such things. But Jesus had brought her in that terrible happening into the room, heart's rest. And then there comes the last room. Fellowship in Christ's suffering. I have seen this fellowship in many countries. Behind the Iron Curtain, I have found many people who were in the power of the enemy, who had to suffer persecution, so terrible. Oh, you know, do, do not know that all here. But I can tell you, never in the history of the world there has been so many martyrs for Jesus Christ. Even not in the time of Nero. You do not know it. But you do not realize it. But do you know that in... The, in Africa, in this time, is a terrific persecution. So many people, so many Christians are killed. Now, in this time, some weeks ago, I got a letter from a missionary and he wrote, Oh, Cory, you know that we worked in a boys' school and we had such a good time there. All the boys have been killed. He also told that about 80,000 uh, Christians were killed. And I asked in uh, World Vision, uh, is that true? Were so many killed? They said 200,000 is more closer to the truth. 
this missionary told that one of the boys said, before you kill me, may I sing a song? And they said, yes. And that boy sang, out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus, I come to thee. Out of the depths of ruins untold, into the peace of thy sheltering fold. Ever thy glorious face to behold, Jesus, I come to thee. And after he had sang that, they shot him. And they told that the people who had to shoot him had tears in their eyes. They said, we have to obey, but oh, how terrible is it. Yes, this boy was in the room, the ninth room, the fellowship of Christ's suffering. And I don't know if you will have the honor to suffer for Jesus. It is possible. But don't be afraid. For Jesus is the door and he will make you victorious. And don't forget that in this last room, behind it is a little alley. And at the other side of the alley is the house of the Father with many mansions. And there is a master crown for everyone who has fellowship in Christ's suffering. He keeps your hand even in that valley. Connie van Hoogstraten, the girl with whom I have traveled seven years, is now with the Lord. She was married. And when she knew she had to die, she said, When I traveled with Corrie ten Boom, I never traveled alone. After I have been married, I never traveled alone. Must I know now travel alone? When I go to the valley of the shadow of death, but her husband said, No. Jesus has kept your hand your whole life. And when I cannot keep your hand any longer, Jesus' hand keeps you. Bravehearted Voices is brought to you by the Ministry of Deeper Christian in partnership with Ellerslie Discipleship. Our passion is to help you grow spiritually by providing Christ-centered resources, discipleship, and training in the Word of God and the victorious life of Christ. Our agenda is to bring back the stuff of old, the sort of Christianity that is lived out with the gusto of heaven and actually and practically works. For more, visit bravehearted voices. Dot com.